Hello and welcome back to Why Morocco, a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to spotlighting some of the inspiring creative personalities who share my love of the North African Kingdom of Morocco. My name's Mandy Sinclair, known online as Mandy in Morocco, and I'm the host of the podcast. As you sit back and listen, it's my hope that you'll leave feeling inspired to pay a visit or motivated to start planning that trip to the Kingdom of Morocco. On this week's episode, I met with pop artist Hassan Hajaj at one of my favorite art galleries in Marrakesh, where he was preparing an installation in advance of the 154 Contemporary African Art Fair kicking off this week. Hassan's the photographer behind the pop culture images of Madonna, released last year following her 60th birthday celebrations in Marrakesh. Despite the fact that he's working on three projects for the art fair and just released photos of the latest celebrities he's photographed at his studio, Hassan is always so kind to take the time to meet with me for an interview. So let's listen in as Hassan and I chat about the process of bringing his photo shoots to life, identity, and the upcoming art fair. You're doing an exhibition here, plus like a rare demo. Yes, I have 16th dollar Cool. Moroccan soldiers. Mm-hmm. It's more about <coughs> promoting <coughs> Moroccan soldiers. Mm-hmm. Rare demo is going to be just open half. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, in public. That's fabulous. And, uh, on the 23rd, 154 organized some collectors, VIP people just come back a day. So yeah. That's the plan. And here there's a big opening on the 21st. Yeah, that's in my drive. Yeah. Sure. So, so we <clears throat> part of the opening here. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Sure. Good. Well, last year I remember it was such a good party here. It's all You always do really cool events. Though, yeah, I mean, well, it depends. On, yeah, because it's uh, Hisham. I try to kind of mm-hmm. be part of it. Yeah. Um, and this year the same, we put some live music here. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, hopefully people can come, not just from my work, but... The others promote yeah. the space as well. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Cool. That's awesome. I want to start with how you started because unlike a lot of artists, it seems like you weren't represented by like a big gallery or like how did you get your start and now you've, but you've achieved such international uh, success. Well, it's a, that's a long story, long journey, so I'm not yeah. going to bore you with that. Uh-huh. Um, basically, I came out of school no qualifications and I'd done many things. I used to do mm-hmm. lots of parties mm-hmm. in London, which means I had to create space and uh, put things together and promote. So that was learning mm-hmm. of, of, you know, to, to, I suppose, to learn how to work with people as well. And within this, I met lots of different people, like musicians, DJs, mm-hmm. filmmakers, artists, uh, blah, 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 blah. Um, and during that period of time, you know, I like photography, so I bought a camera from a friend of mine's photographer, he taught me how to use it, and I used to go and take pictures. It really kind of started there with many different stories between yeah. them. Yeah. Um, as time went by, I started to shoot, never showed the work, and I had a big body of work, and along the way I met Rose Issa, who was a big creator, and she saw the work, and uh, she really liked the work, but, but before saying that, I was doing some other shows more to do with the, I suppose, more pop, pop culture, you know, like um, of, uh, sort of North African Arabic, uh, more to do with uh, products and, and, you know, recycled stuff. So I created a show with this with, that can have music, that can have tea, and, which became the salon in a sense. Okay. And the photography I was doing within this. And then uh, Rose East introduced my work to the art uh, public, and then it started from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brilliant. In your work, um, you're known to spotlight people that maybe the general public visiting Marrakesh may not meet. 
And I think of the film Karima. Yeah. I saw it at Riyadh Majur. Um, there was a screening a yeah. couple years ago. Um, you film, she's a henna artist on Jim Fna. And so, like, why is this important and how do you discover these people? And uh, Again, uh, I must have been very lucky to be able to meet these people from mm-hmm. all different types, being mm-hmm. between London and Morocco, being mm-hmm. Moroccan and, and Londoner. So I've had a very good, I suppose, luck to meet all people and I find some people with very strong characters, which is everywhere around the globe. And Karima happened to be one of them, you know, yeah. and Karima, I started taking pictures of her, she appears in a lot of my pictures from, nine, from 2000, 1999. Oh, wow. So I've seen her, you know, from a, a young uh-huh. girl to, you know, I've known her about 20 years now. Wow. Um, so after a while, you know, kind of experimenting with film, and I thought it'd be great to show somebody from, you know, she was the first one to pull out one of my characters from my stills mm-hmm. to show why I was attracted to this character and the film's really about her not about me mm-hmm. and to show the strength of her and, and try and tell a story of somebody like Karima mm-hmm. uh, so Karima happened to be the first one in this kind of uh, idea of filming and do you have any others planned mm-hmm. loads but it's money yeah <laughs> film is expensive yeah uh-huh. I mean the idea is to take every now and then take a character from my stills and mm-hmm. do a story about them so you spend time with them so then you understand why you know they're I admire them and their, you know, their energy and the way, because mm-hmm. I still can only tell you so much, and the film becomes about them and not about me. Absolutely. And so actually, one of the, um, I first was introduced to your work during, there was an art fair at the Asadi Palace oh, yeah, back 2000, in 2010. Yeah, 2010. In 20, 2011, I think, when I first mm-hmm. moved to Morocco. And then I saw your um, collection at the Matisse Art Gallery. Yeah. So what I really liked was that you use familiar brands like Coca-Cola, Barbie, uh, Louis Vuitton, but then you blend them in with the Moroccan culture. Because it's there. Yeah. yeah. You go to the market, you know, you see, you can see a guy driving a dustbin with a donkey mm-hmm. who's got like, you know, like a Louis Vuitton cap, you know, Supreme cap, for example. Yeah. So it's there, I'm just highlighting there. And it's also about people like myself growing up with counterfeit, that we can't afford the real thing. Uh-huh. So we strive to have something on that. The platform, and I'm coming from also going back to the story of how I started. I used to have a fashion shop, streetwear shop, in mm-hmm. 1984 until 92 in London, and I used to sell lots of uh, now what's called streetwear. And that time in the 80s, there was a period of time where these big brands weren't designed for people like us, but we wanted to be part of their world, so mm-hmm. we would take maybe the, the PVC and yeah. sew it on leather on the je- jean jacket or sneakers to redesign something, what we wanted to wear back from them. Mm-hmm. So I'm coming from that old school, and it just happened to happen in my work. And I found brands would communicate anybody around the globe because it's global brands. Mm-hmm. So if it's uh, somebody Muslim or Indian, stuff like that, and you have a brand on them, you oversee the, the tradition and culture beginning. There's not so much fear to see mm-hmm. a woman with a black veil with Louis Vuitton slippers. You really say, oh, look, Louis Vuitton. And you can bring them into your world for a minute. So there was a this kind of combination of things with the brands. Mm-hmm. Because you've exhibited internationally, most recently in the US and the UK. So what's been the reaction to your works outside of Morocco? Uh, it's been positive. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you're always going to have people, uh, when you put an image, they decide. So in January, mm-hmm. there's some people sit in a different way. And there's people that I seem to meet and understand the work. They're the kind of people I'll probably hang out with. Uh, so in the West, it's like, peeping through a keyhole to another culture. From North African and, and Middle East, 
they seem to be proud of what I'm doing because I'm presenting the culture in, yeah. a, in a different way. So that's the difference between the Western and the, I would say, the North Africa yeah. and the Arab world. I want to touch on identity because there is so much of Morocco in each of your pieces. Um, and so you left Morocco uh, at 13 yeah. to go to London with your father. and yet mom. Oh, with your mom. Yeah, my father was already there from the 60s. Okay, so you went with your mom yeah. and then... Um, so you left, you spent, you know, quite formative years in yeah, London, uh, uh, yeah. but yet the Moroccan way of life, or Morocco, is still very common in your work. So yeah. how well, do you yeah, identify? It's that saying, you know, say you can take a, a person out of the ghetto, but you can never take out the ghetto from the person. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like that. I'm born here, I'm Moroccan, yeah. and I've gone to another space, another place, and that kind of gives you a different point of view about your culture. Yeah. Same as working with those. So... <clears throat> Without London, I probably wouldn't be doing the work I'm doing, you know, very exactly. even Moroccan topic. And Morocco was for me important to come back to be part of it, to present it in my own way, where I saw it in, in some ways, in the contemporary way. Um, and it's about people, it's about identity, about tradition, about this kind of things going on in the global kind of uh, yeah. situation that's happening in every continent and every continent. And so really, it's that. So for me, there's one part of my body where it's totally Moroccan, and there's another part that's totally from London. Absolutely. So. And that's what I find, it's just in general, like identity in Morocco is very fascinating to me because we're so close to Europe. Um, yeah, you know, there's the whole question of, like, when you ask people how do they describe themselves, it's like, well, I'm African, I'm Moroccan, I'm Berber, I'm, you know, Muslim. So I find that whole identity really fascinating about being in Morocco and how people do describe themselves. You know, we're living in a time of social, with um, internet, so mm-hmm. people can see what's going on, you know, before mm-hmm. you had to travel. Now people don't have to travel, but now what's happening around the world. And I think in every... If you look at the African continent or India or Brazil, is uh, this new generation? They're doing everything: music, fashion, mm-hmm. art, film, using their tradition, but still striving with the kind of West. There's that mixture because that's how the globe is yeah. happening around the globe. Um, and I think there's this kind of proudness of people, uh, like you said. I'm Moroccan. My religion is Muslim. I mean, I'm part of Berber. I'm uh-huh. sort of in the globe, in the continent of Africa. Yeah. yeah. So you. Celebrate that yes. and become proud of that, you know, where sometimes people in the past, they say maybe they want to be more European or mm-hmm. they don't want to be African, they want to be more Arab or, you know, so there's this kind of a fight between people. But I find not the younger generation, they really, um, I suppose, want to be part of all this, what you said, because yeah. they are that and yeah. why not to be proud of that. Yeah, I guess like as the world becomes more global, then well, you're not well, just... Well, also yeah. that's what you are, so mm-hmm. why not? Sort of take it on and and, and celebrate it with yourself in the sense of saying, yeah, I'm Moroccan, I'm I'm African, I'm if you're religious Muslim or Jewish Moroccan, whatever. Uh That's what you are. So uh, why not if uh, to be uh, to have that and use that within yourself, whatever you do in life, work wise with it or being creative and stuff like that. So that's you know, and I'm part of the same. You know, saying I'm everything you said. I'm I'm proud to be that, and also I can say I'm a Londoner because I've spent. Exactly. Part of my life in London, but I'm not English. Exactly. So yeah. that's where the difference is as well. Uh-huh. No, I love how you celebrate, um, like not just in your stills and, you know, the photo, uh, sorry, the film that we talked about, Karima, but this space that we're sitting in at Comptoir des Mies, the, the bedroom that you created, I think yeah. that's absolutely brilliant. You know, with this project, it was mm-hmm. an idea, it's a beautiful apartment, mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm working with, like, 
objects, there's furniture and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and you have pictures. So it was easy to put together, it was like, like I'm living here. Yeah. So it's a fantasy, if I was living here, I would probably do it this way. And then the idea of having other photographers to be part of it, so really trying to promote uh, Moroccan talent and use what I have and my knowledge and my experience and anything to do, like if I, you know, press-wise and stuff, like yeah. trying to use this for this project. So the idea came naturally, you know, saying if I was living there, I wouldn't have my work, I would have other yeah. things I mm-hmm. bought along the way or, you know, whatever. Yeah. So that's where the idea this came from. And so how do you choose the photographers you work with? Um, there was some people I knew, mm-hmm. and then it just sort of, it happens and then, no, it's just, it happens, it's happened naturally. Um, I keep asking and then somebody will recommend or, you know, so it's uh, it's something that I wish I had more time because there's a lot of talent mm-hmm. um, and I wish I had better space and bigger space. But it's a good start to just see what, um, what the reaction of people and stuff like that. Yeah, because photography in this, I find in Morocco, is really like a... It's a, new, it's a new yeah, tool. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a, a cheaper tool. It's um, Everybody's got, everybody takes pictures now because of the mobile. Yeah. So mm-hmm. people are not scared from both sides, either being in front or, or behind the camera. Mm-hmm. And also people can share. So people can share their work from social media. So it means they have an outlet. Um, so I can see now there's a whole new um, generation that just sort of just, Loads of them just coming up really fast, really quick, and really talented as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, I think of Urias. Yeah, He's Urias is amazing. one, but I know there's some of these other new kids, there's loads of them just coming mm-hmm. up. Uh, you know, Urias, uh, for me, I'm a, I'm a big fan, he's a friend, um, and I think he's got, you know, a very strong uh, style, uh, you know, it's a strong sort of quiet, uh, you know, the way he sees things. And I think he's somebody who's also made. Moroccan photography internationally with mm-hmm. a different, uh, I suppose people see it in another, another way of sharing another way of Morocco. So he's a really important photographer for Morocco. Right? Mm-hmm. And now you've got this other younger generation coming up underneath him as well. Mm-hmm. And I think probably the next three, five years, you're going to see just like, uh, uh, you know, uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of, and so know. that's what people can who come to this gallery can expect to see like these that's, that's the idea artists, yeah, yeah. the idea is to show you know some established ones and some unknown ones mm-hmm. and some you know sort of beginner ones some experimental and more importantly male and female you know this is for me yeah. it's very uh, much as well I'd love to have 50-50 male and 50% female so just touching on that one subject that you just mentioned like people aren't afraid like you know behind the camera and in front of the camera mm-hmm. Did that influence why you chose like the first collection with Barbie, and then you've started to move in to more people? No, the, the Barbie was like two thousand and five. You know, I've been shooting from the nineties. Yeah, so okay. that, just, that just came along with part mm-hmm. of another body of work. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, so I've shot shooting people. Probably. Yeah. yeah, okay. So, but mine are more set up pictures yeah. as well. Yes, so mm-hmm. you know, I'm talking about going out in the street and shooting. Yeah, it's different mm-hmm. or documenting or mm-hmm. like Urias. It's more kind of a, a street photographer, you know, we mm-hmm. have some other kids here, they set up pictures and there's some taking pictures of their friends, or, you know, so it yeah. depends on, on the photographer. And so just touching back, you've been dubbed the Andy Warhol of Morocco. How, like, how would you describe your style? How do you feel about being... Uh, I mean, you know, that was the, the um, 
press put that mm-hmm. on my shoulder. Um, you know, I'm me, I'm Moroccan, yeah. I work with popular culture, so I can understand why it's said. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, I don't mind it. But at the yeah. same time, as I said in the past, you could look at it another way, maybe to be accepted in the West, you have to be attached somebody. Mm-hmm. It can't be just you yourself. So you have to be maybe not the first, but a secondary. It's like, you know, the, you know, like to say, you know, somebody from like, Denver House, blah, 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 yeah. you know, Christian, blah, blah, where sometimes you get Hassan Hadja, Muslim, uh, Andy Warhol. Yeah. You know, so you have this attachment, and that's really coming from more from the West, because yeah. to get, be accepted in that, you they have to find something to put you in and uh, to, to explain about your work, I suppose, exactly. and your practices. But for me, it's, you know, I don't mind it. I mean, no. yeah, Do you think that's maybe why... Um, like the the Louis Vuitton and the the familiar brands in the West, like yeah. the Coca Cola, like it brings people into your artwork. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because the product speaks for itself. Yeah, it's uh, it doesn't threaten exactly uh, public, and they see something familiar. And mm-hmm. lots of the times, if it's something done in my work, they normally see the product before my work, and then that hopefully brings them to a journey of um, you know something familiar, and then they discover something new with it as well. Yeah. Brilliant. Do you have a favourite priest or collection? Um, I mean, I get this asked a lot, and there's a few. I would say there's one, I don't know if it's called uh, Gang of Marrakesh, and that has really a, a story with myself where it's an image of girls on bikes wearing camouflage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I had this idea how I wanted it, but to get to that point, there was many layers that, you know, buy the camouflage fabric in Ludlow Street in New York, the polka dot fabric was bought in... Brooklyn in London, the animal print was in uh, here in the market, and then being the fabric, then having them design two outfits, then looking for location, then shooting it, then printing, then getting the frames, then the cans. So from the idea, I had took two years to get that, that image. Wow. But when I look at that, I could say I was that fabric I was in New York, or that fabric uh-huh. I was in London. So it has a journey for myself. Yeah. So that image, I would say, I use that as a as a. Is one not my it's one of my favorite but I hope I have more favorites than that. and so is that how even still your photo shoots come to life today yeah still yeah. the same mm-hmm. yeah and I'm always designing stuff and having stuff I know I have stuff ready to go so if I'm shooting somebody I'll yeah. vibe with them and work out what they're going to wear work out yeah. a backdrop and then the print on the product then the frame so it, it, it always has uh, a few months' time before getting to the point of having a piece of work. So it's produced. a three-month lead time? Uh, it could take longer, depends. Yeah. yeah. Like for the last night, because I know you've been shooting a lot of celebrities lately, so does that, can uh, those be turned around faster or no? Uh, no, not really, no. because, uh, you know, everything, you know, the, the shoes, you know, so for me yeah, to shoot, so for example, if I'm shooting on Saturday, if I don't have anything ready, I have to go and think of the idea, buy the fabric, take it to um, somebody mm-hmm. to sew, but wait for them to sew, bring it, go and buy the plastic mail or backdrop, then put that there, then do the shoot, edit, print, then find, you know, get the frame, the frame's handmade, that could take six weeks to make, and then find the products that would go around, so then you have to buy that, empty them, stick them in. So whatever it is, it's got months of, of work of, really? uh, before getting yeah. damaged. Uh-huh. That's amazing. Yeah. And so... Um, how do you spend your time then between London and Morocco? Busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you ever stop? Because you're also uh, a lot in the US, aren't you? No, only for work. I mean, okay. you know, you have moments and when you're, I think, uh, working in any art 
situation. You know, it depends on your career and at that moment you might have a, you know, if you're a band and you're promoting an, an album mm-hmm. with a live band, you might get, yeah. you know, a moment in America where you're touring for six months and going back and forwards and you might not get to many other territories and then something happens, you're in Paris because Paris had discovered you. And it's a bit like that. So, uh-huh. you know, it depends sometimes at moments with certain countries for a bit and then it changes. So at the moment it seems to be more Paris. Going oh really? Yeah, because I have a show there, so I'm yeah. going back and forwards and stuff like that. So you, okay. that's where that's where happens. So if we were, if you were in London on a Sunday, where would we find you? Sunday, I'd be in my in my space working probably. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's in East London. That's right? East London. Yeah. 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 Okay. So. And in Marrakesh, if you weren't working. Where would we? Uh, it's phone off, chilling out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes outside, Marrakesh, uh-huh. sometimes at home. Uh, and I'll turn off things when, when I get to that point. Yeah. I'll just cut off for a minute. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, I wanted to just thank you so much because it's been really cool to like see your first show at Matisse, see the, all the celebrities that you're photographing oh, and the new like ideas that you just keep coming up with. Thank so you. it's really amazing. Thank so you. thank you so thank much you for, for, you as well. for your time. Well, so. well done. <laughs> yeah, thank you. If you're a fan of getting off the tourist trail and planning to be in Marrakesh, join us for one of our Tasting Marrakesh Food and Cultural Tours. On our Tasting Marrakesh Gilles Tour, we explore some of the 20th century architecture in Marrakesh, stop at some of our favorite art galleries housed in Art Deco gems, and wander through parks and religious buildings that surprise visitors who dare to venture beyond the Marrakesh Medina. We chat history, eat street food, and shop. You know, some of my favorite things. But don't just take it from me. Condé Nast Traveler recently included us in its roundup of 10 cool things to do in Marrakesh. Our website is tasting-marrakesh.com for more details. That's Marrakesh with a C-H. All of our tours are private and bespoke, so we take you only to the places that are of interest. But for now, it's time to say see you in two weeks when I'll be sitting down with a female storyteller about this beautiful tradition in advance of the International Women's Day. In the meantime, if you want to discuss a collaboration or partnership, please feel free to get in touch via my website, mandyandmorocco.com. And if you're a fan of my Why Morocco podcast, I would be so appreciative if you would rate and review this podcast on your favorite channel.